Welcome to Lead with Clarity, where we help you focus on what matters most. I'm your host, Scott Sutherland, and I am here today, and I am very excited to announce that not only am I here with my lovely wife, Shondell, and Melanie Montgomery, but we have Alan Anderson on with us today, and I'm, I'm excited to get into this subject matter, and we are talking today about double down on culture. So, Shondell, why don't you... Uh, why don't you take off with that? Today, we're talking about double down on your culture. And what we mean by that is recession proofing your business. And we've been kind of giggling because we're not sure if we're going to be in a recession or not. But all these things that we do work, whether you're in a recession or not. So we are going for it with just bringing basically the Shondell Group basics, essentials, principles, and equipping you before the craziness begins. And Melanie, you were down here in Reno and when we came up with our little acronym. And so we're uh, now into the fifth letter, but I thought you could maybe review what do we say, what, what is the acronym we use when we talk about recession proofing your business? Yeah, definitely. So we talk about remaining steady during a recession or doing whatever challenge comes your way. And to do that, um, we have these steps. So you first simplify everything train, teach, and invest in talent, elevate your structure, and attitude is everything, double down on culture, and your leadership first. And right now we're talking about double down on culture. And why we say double down is because this is the most important thing you can do all the time, but especially during um, a time period like this when there's trials, because culture always wins. And so, Alan, you're joining us. And I thought, what do you see uh, in cultures that are going on in companies right now that are thriving? Just a few things that you see. I love this topic mainly because I had this aha. And I, I did share it with our team during our weekly tactical meeting. But for whatever reason, I hadn't seen before. Our existing clients have actually been functioning lean all along. Mm-hmm. We have specific processes that allow us to focus our time and energy and effort on the most important things. And that most important thing are our people. Mm-hmm. When our people feel valued and cared for, it is amazing how smooth and steady things can feel. And conversely, when things don't, or when people don't feel valued or cared for, boy, does it feel extra painful. In fact, even more painful than it may actually be. And so for us, as we start to think through culture and doubling down on that, we're not merely talking about this people-first strategy or being a people-centric business strategy. What we are talking about is figuring out how do we communicate to our people, those entrusted to our care, whether it's our board, it's our C-suite, it's our leadership, it's our entry level, or anyone in between, how are we making sure that they have the information necessary so that they can then allocate their time and their energy and their effort into the right things. And we're focusing on the things that we can control versus worrying about or being anxious about the things we can't. And so I think that's really the basis of this as we start talking about this today is how do we help our people take their focus, their energy and effort and put it into the right things. Yeah. And one thing that we have really talked about and we did our first, um, when we first started lead with clarity, when we were really focusing on what is about the culture was about the purpose, the values, the mission, 
the vision, all of those things, which you have to have as a cornerstone. And so the first step in really doubling down in your culture is you got to look at those, go back, make sure that they are clearly defined. Uh, and I'm not talking about defined up on uh, the wall when you come in the door, which is, that's fine if you want to do that. But we're talking about, are you living them? Are you hiring? Are you making decisions based on those purpose, those values, mission, all those things that were really defining. And then Scott, I was curious well for you to jump in here and talk about the the journey you took from leading your culture intentionally um, when before you were just kind of, the culture was kind of leading you. So what, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. I, and I have a, a, a real story here to tell. Uh, when I began to double down on culture, it was because the culture in my office was one of sarcasm, gossip, and not dealing with issues. I, I, I would put stuff off uh, and people would come to me about things, complain about something, and I just wouldn't deal with it. And, and, and I hope it would just go away. So really for me, the culture, uh, doubling down on culture started with me. And an embarrassing story about that is, after a staff meeting and telling everybody we're going to uh, really abide by our value system. And, and that means we're really going to transition into this new culture. And I probably didn't use those exact words, but I really wanted to motivate the team that, that we're going to really perform by our values. And so it wasn't long after I made this great eloquent speech to the team that I got paged into hygiene and in front of the patient and the hygienist, I I started gossiping about somebody. And I walked out of that room and probably about five minutes later realized, oh my gosh, I just violated one of our values. So immediately I go back to the hygienist as soon as she has a little break. And I I apologize to her. I said, "I, I violated one of our values, and I gossiped about a patient uh, in front of you and with that patient. And, and I put that patient in an awkward place, and I put you in an awkward place. And I asked her, will you forgive me for that? Uh, because I really wanted to demonstrate that this was important to me. And so I had to humble myself, and I had to, I had to do that. In fact, I even called the patient and asked the patient to forgive me as well. And so I think when my team realized that I was serious about this and that I started to deal with issues and I didn't let things slide anymore, and I started to have my own character change, that that began to build a change in them as well. Scott, can I ask a quick question on that? Yes. Forcing yourself or having the discipline to humble yourself and actually go eat crow in front of all those people, how many additional times did you break those values? After that, I don't know after if that I did. I, I don't think I ever did after that again. I think that is such a key lesson for us as leaders is when we're willing to actually be humble and actually eat crow, isn't it amazing? Such a stinging discipline consequence of, hey, this is what I did. Nobody's forcing me to own this, but I realized I just got done telling our team to do this and now I'm practicing that. It's amazing how quickly we can learn and get really good at living our values. So I commend you. Thank you for sharing that story. I know it's not easy even now, 
but that's such a key lesson for us as leaders. I totally agree, Alan. And that was so great, Scott. And that is going to actually warm us up for next time where we're going to be talking about your leadership first. And it all starts with leading your culture very intentionally. Melanie, I mean, I could go on for that, right? I mean, we did a whole series on this, which I'm happy to keep digging into. But Melanie, let's talk about the other things, even though that's the cornerstone and most important. What are the other things that in culture that companies should really be focusing on right now? Okay, so doubling down on culture is so important. It's something that I'm really passionate about. And as we're looking at our culture, we have to figure out like what are blind spots are? Where are the issues that are coming up? Do our team members really feel valued and cared for? And some of the things that we see in organizations that are are hurting that trust, that care is blame. Those things are, are we asking the questions that place blame or that make excuses or really just taking accountability and seeing how can we make things better? How can we use this as an opportunity to grow? When our team feels like they're going to be in trouble for making a mistake or when something goes wrong, they don't want to be creative or innovative. They really want to stay in their little box and not um, take chances because they don't want to get in trouble. And so as we're looking at this, this culture, are we cultivating a place where we can all show up and be ourselves and take accountability for the things and use those opportunities for growth? Um, whenever challenges arise versus having a culture where we maybe blame each other for things or focus on the bad and not focus on the good. Yeah, I think the blame culture is one that we, uh, in, in stressful times, we may not even see happening. Like even just the statement blame culture. Do you have a culture that's blaming each other? And you know what that happens? That's really, um, this is kind of deep. So go with me, people. It's all blame is based in shame and shame people blame people. And so there's a lot of times when we're feeling insecure. There's a lot of times when we're feeling fearful. There's a lot of times when we are unsure, uncertain, and that is a recipe for where you start seeing blaming and coming into yourself and pointing fingers and being defensive. So those are good signs for us to really go and do we have a blame culture or is it okay to make mistakes here? I mean, making mistakes are where how people grow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as they're going into those really stressful situations, it's easy to kind of go back to our brain's natural wiring, which is, you know, protect myself from uh, whatever harm, protect myself from taking this blame or saying that I was wrong. We have to really practice that positivity and those proactive questions. And so um, during those stressful times, if we've built up that muscle, we can really lean into it. But if, if we're, we haven't practiced a culture where we can look at each other and say, this is okay, how do we fix it? Um, then we're going to struggle when it's hard. Wow. That's a great uh, quotable this, you know, that's okay. How are we going to fix it? Or maybe even not, that's okay. Ouch, that hurt. How are we going to fix it? Wow. 
you know, that costs something. How are we going to fix it? Those different pieces are absolutely necessary, but man, when it's stressful and you're looking at laying people off and there's a recession and the, and the virtual teams are not getting along or whatever, it's very difficult not to join into the defensive and blame game and uh, not having that growth mindset that we often preach here at Shondell Group. What else do you see as an area to double down on, Melanie, when we're looking at culture? I think we really need to look at emotional intelligence and how that shows up in the workplace. A lot of times we uh, think that we're coming across a a certain way and we think that people are perceiving us in one way. And in reality, that's not at all what people are seeing or hearing from us. And so we really have to take a pause and look at our intent versus our impact. And um, what are people really seeing in us? And that is where the the power of the clarity report really comes into play because it really helps us understand how other people see us. And especially when we get stressed out, sometimes we don't realize that our behavior is actually coming across in, in negative or harmful ways. And so when we can be aware of how people see us and how people are interpreting our behavior, and we can then make the necessary adjustments to encourage a positive communication or change what we're saying to get the right message across, we can really help develop that culture. Because when we're blind to what people are, are taking from our, our message or our communication, then that's just going to lead to a lot of conflict in the long run. Yeah. And people don't read our intentions. They read our behavior. And I know a lot of times when our behavior is not um, what we want it to be, <laughs> and it has an impact that we're not real proud of. That's where we need to get that clarity into how we're wired, what happens when we're stressed out, what happens when we're our best self. And I know, Alan, you talk about any time that we're in a situation like this with our culture, there is always a price to be paid or what we call a fee to be paid. Why don't you go over that acronym and how that would be helpful here as we're going over double downing on your culture? Yeah, especially as we're thinking about that double down, when we say double down, what we intend people to hear is turn up the volume or make sure your antennas are up of how your people are feeling so you can meet them where they're at. So I just want us to be really, really clear that doubling down is extra people care. Now we're not talking coddling, but we're also not talking some 10 layers of delegation where you just send them an email telling them to go do X and they have no uh, background. We really want to walk this tension of, of people care. It's a people centric approach. So I think probably most of us, if we're listening to this podcast, we've heard that old famous quote from Ben Franklin saying time is money. And, and that's, that was certainly true in his context, but that's, that's only partially true now in the sense of it's really more between two guardrails. And on the one hand, you have Jim Rohn who said, you can always get more money. You just can't get more time emphasizing the importance of time. And then on the other hand, you have John Maxwell saying, there's a a cost to life and you either pay now and play later or you play now and pay later. Mm -hmm. Either way, you have to make that payment. And I think the good news for us is this fee is actually a formula because when we're talking about not blaming, it's great. We have to lead by example. What are the other things that you can lead and guide your people on? Well, it's this fee and fee for us stands for the F is focus. 
The first E is energy and the last E is effort. And what we mean by that is if you think about us and, and humans in general, when you look at human nature, we're basically the expression of those three things. Where our focus goes, our energy flows. We've all likely heard that. So we know our focus is really imperative. Let's not, but we're talking about blame. So we're saying let's not focus on the problem um, without thinking through the solution. We're saying note the problem. I like how you said that, Shondell. Ouch. And what are we going to do? So that mm -hmm. focus is really something to be stewarded. Then the energy. And this is where we talk so often about time management as a myth. Who cares about time management? What, what good is it that I came to this meeting on time today if I had no energy? And we have too many people showing up to meetings on time, so good time management, but they don't have energy management. They're exhausted. They haven't had the right hydration. They're not sleeping, so on and so forth. So we want to then really look into the energy. And then ultimately, we look at the effort. And that's the part where they're showing up as the team member, and they are doing their task assigned to them by their boss or by their leader or by their department head so that there's no guesswork. And this whole ability to double down really is about eliminating guesswork, controlling what we can control in a way where we make our people feel valued and cared for in the process with as little guesswork as possible. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah, that's great. And I think it, it kicks right into the productivity that we need to see in a culture too, like productive cultures, you know, people feel safe when they feel secure, when they feel and sense it's not you know it's not even these words when we talk about culture we, we'd have you know we're all we're in the business all of us Shondell group of helping people discover and define it so that they can move forward but so much of it is uh it, we see the fruit of it more than anything else like you know if your culture is good or bad based on your turnover based on the productivity based on these other things and so melanie you i know you have been involved in some great teams and some not so great teams why don't you give us a little example about what you see in a good culture or possibly a bad one that would really help our listeners get their teeth around the importance of doubling down you're definitely right. I have been a part of some really amazing teams and some teams that maybe struggled a little bit within our organization. Um, when we went into COVID and our whole um, property had to shut down and we were closed for 60 days and then we reopened, it was such a challenging time where we were very, very short staffed. Um, we had all of these new things that we had to work with and adjust to. And we've talked about this throughout the, the series, but prior to shutting down, I was just finishing up my master's degree. So I was implementing all of these fun culture things, um, really trying to get rid of blame from my team and really create an environment where everyone felt really valued and cared for. And so that really paid off when it came to reopening. Because when we reopened, we brought the team back in maybe a couple days ahead of time to just get the last few pieces ready. And what I saw was just amazing. Our team felt really valued and cared for because they had some amazing managers and amazing team. And they actually came back and did extra. They went above and beyond. Mm -hmm. I actually had a group of a handful of servers come back a couple of days ahead of time. They completely redid the layout. They set everything up and they just took accountability of all of those things. And none of these individuals or supervisors or had any, um, you know, position of power, 
but they came in and they went the extra mile and they did what they needed to do for the team and the organization. And I saw that consistently as we went through. And so when we saw everyone, you know, leaving their jobs and people quitting, the thing that we kept hearing was that people left their job because they didn't feel appreciated. They felt like they were having to do extra work. They were short staffed and nobody cared to say thank you. And so as we have to really pare down and start to become more lean, it's so important that our team is high functioning. And so the way that we get a high functioning team is that we show that we value them, we care for them, we appreciate what they do. um, And then they're willing to go the extra mile. Whereas if people don't feel appreciated, they don't want to do any extra. And sometimes they don't even do the full job expectation. Yeah. And so Alan, you have had some work with some amazing companies and you've seen some dysfunction. What do you see as something that would be super powerful for our uh, listeners to apply during this time? One time I heard a quote from a team member who was transitioning out of an organization and he said, people can sense or feel if they are genuinely cared for in the primary way that they will know that is if you essentially speak their language. And that's why we go to the clarity report so much because my natural wiring is to see you in the hallway, give you a high five, not stop and check in and see how you're doing. And for Melanie's, she's so deeply caring that if I just did that to her all the time, she would begin to not feel valued and cared for. And so she's actually helped coach me a lot of slowing down and getting a pulse on things and so on and so forth. My intent all along was I genuinely care, but my mind is I've got to go from point A to point B, I have less time than I would like to get there, so on and so forth. That's the takeaway for us as leaders is not only are you willing to remember your team can get instant access to information, but they genuinely know, or at least sense they know how you care for them by the way that you speak their language and what's important to them. So let's make sure that we can remember probably most of our, most of the people listening have smart people in their organization who know when they're getting a bad deal. And if we can genuinely pursue them, if we can genuinely come alongside them, we'll be able to work through those conflicts and and disagreements. Yeah. And, and I think what you're really, what you're saying too, is that communication is 7% words and the rest of it is nonverbal. And a lot of that is feeling like people, I don't know why you're mad. You may not, you may be mad because you left, you know, your shoes at home. I don't know. But when you show up looking like that, I think you're mad at me. And so having a control over your own self and how you come across and really slowing down and knowing, and that's why that clarity report uh, over and over again is measuring our self-awareness. So we know how we come across like for you, Alan, you're just walking across the room, trying to get as much uh, productivity as you can of the day where someone else really needs that connection. So I appreciate that. Well, everyone, we thank you for joining us. Join us next time when we finish off uh, defining each of our recession proofing. And you can catch us at shondellgroup.com. All four of us, uh, we video blog uh, on the site. You go to Kavu, which is on our website at shondell.com. And as always, be the best you can be, everybody.